title of the message this morning is Rise Up, Mighty Child of God. Say that aloud with me, please. Rise Up, Mighty Child of God. Now, this is based on the story of Gideon, and I will share with you, mostly during the message, relating what happened in the story, and then towards the end, I have two points and so I'm trusting that the Lord is going to speak in a wonderful way. As we look at the story of Gideon, there's actually a lot in it that we can learn. We can learn a great deal from Gideon's life. You see, he is somebody who, listen to this, Gideon lacked confidence. Gideon even struggled with inferiority. And yet, by God's grace... He was able to rise up and fulfill God's plan for his life. Can this speak to us? I believe it can. Let me say this. I believe that there are seeds of greatness within every single child of God. I don't believe that there is a child of God that is called to insignificance. There are seeds of greatness... There are significant things that God has called every single one of his children to, to give fruition to. But we have to reject our insecurities. Listen to that. We have to reject our insecurities, and we have to believe God if we're going to see those seeds germinate and bring forth the plan of God in our lives. Now let's look at Judges chapter 6. Welcome to those watching this broadcast on television. So we're reading Judges chapter 6 verse 1 to 22. It's quite a section of scripture, so please try stay engaged as we're going through this. It is on the screen, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, but first choice is always read in your own Bible. Here we go. Judges 6 verse 1. It starts off with this profound statement. Then... The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So we're right into a problem time here in Israel. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Thank the Lord it's only seven years. It's a case of long-suffering, not forever suffering. Even there, the grace of the Lord. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, they had sown their crops, the Midianites, these little blighters, if I could add, that's my amplified version. The Midianites, these little blighters, would come up, also Amalekites and the people from the east, and would come up against them. They would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither donkey, sorry, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, look how many there were, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number. And they would enter the land to destroy it. What fun. <laughs> so Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. 
And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel, who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their lands. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But look at this. But you have not obeyed my voice. Before we read on in verse 11, let me say this. It is always God's plan for his people to live in freedom. Freedom from the oppression of the Midianites or the enemy. And God says, listen guys, you're in this mess because you've turned to idolatry. I want my people free. I took you out of bondage. I helped you to come into this land. I gave it to you. I helped you to get victory over those people. And what have you done? You've made a mistake. You've begun to turn to the wrong things. And therefore, I had to hand you over to the hand of the Midianites. In verse 12, sorry, where am I? 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joaz the Abirazite, while his son Gideon, here Gideon comes into the story, threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Please say that with me. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I'd like to suggest to you that Gideon got the front of his life. He thought, who, me? What? You're talking to me? <laughs> You're talking to me? Anyhow, let me not get American now. The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. The Lord turned and said to him, Go in this might of yours, and listen to this, you shall save Israel. Do you see Midian's, uh, Gideon's call right there? God is saying, I don't worry about your excuses. You're saying it's going so bad. God says, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel. I want to tell you, some of you are facing things where you say, where's God? What's happened? Why is there no miracles? What's going on? And God is not interested in that complaining. He says, I'm going to use you to make a difference. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, here come the excuses. Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. What a promise. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And then Gideon said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you with an offering and set it before you. And he said, this is God, saying, I will wait until you come back. By the way, this was the angel of the Lord 
an Old Testament appearance of the second person of the Trinity, Jesus. He's actually meeting with Christ in terms of being the angel of the Lord. And so he said, I'll wait for you. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from a pot of uh, unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in the basket and uh, he put the broth in the pot and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, lay them on the rock and pour out the broth. And so he did that. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff that is, was, was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire rose up out of the rock and consumed the meat and unleavened bread. I believe the fire coming up out of the rock, God is an all-consuming fire. It was a visible miracle, but it was also an indication that he was meeting with the consuming God. And it consumed the sacrifice. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. So all of a sudden, the angel goes. And this moment of encounter and Gideon being called to save Israel has come to an end. Verse 22, now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord that he had seen. So Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Don't we have some amazing passages of scripture in the word of God? Amazing passages. Now, let me take some time just to sketch the overall story and, and just deviate a little bit here and there because uh, we can make the story even grasp it at a, at a higher level. So the basic story, the basic outline is that the nation of Israel is living in defeat. They're in constant fear of the Midianites, the enemy, and they are being badgered. They are being harassed by the Midianites. And some of them are even starting to hide away in caves and dens in the mountain. By the time you actually have to start to hide in a cave and a den and so on, you've got to know there's problems in the land. The people are completely dominated and badgered and harassed by the Midianites. And so they're hiding away. And by the way, this is why Gideon wasn't out in the field busy threshing the wheat. What was he doing? He was hiding away in a wine press. Now, let me say this. In terms of threshing of wheat, as I understand it, is that you have your wheat and you actually begin to beat the wheat even with a stick. And then what happens is the actual kernels or the grain of the wheat separate from the useless outside layer. Now, this is usually done on a hillside, uh, out in the open, and it's done where there's wind because what happens is you firstly beat the wheat, it separates from the useless outer shell, then the farmer, he takes it and he throws it into the air, and because of the wind, the outer shell blows away and you're left with the actual substance that you can make your bread from or whatever you need to bake with that. But Gideon couldn't have done it out in the open because these uh, guys that would come in and raid from the Midianites would have just come and taken everything. So here he is in fear and timidity, hiding away, just trying to get enough food to perhaps feed his family. And so it's a terrible situation. It's not going well in the nation of Israel. However, in their distress, 
They cry out to God for help and they ask him to remove the oppression of the Midianites. And I want to tell you, when the people of God cry out to God for help, his ears are not deaf. He responds to his people crying out. Last year in April, there was the greatest prayer meeting that South Africa has ever seen. As close to one million people came and gathered to pray for the healing of our nation. And I believe that we cried out to God as a nation, and I believe what we will see unfold in this next season ahead will be answers to the people of God crying out for the nation. Come on. I believe that we are headed for the answers. And so they cry out to God because of Midianites, and you know what? God has someone in mind. God is never caught off guard. There's never a situation that we can face as a family, as a nation, where God is caught of God and he doesn't know what to do. And God has a young man in mind. His name is Gideon. And so he appears to this young man named Gideon and he says, Gideon, you're going to be mightily used. You're going to be mightily used and you are going to save, rescue, and deliver the nation of Israel. So then what happens? God gives an instruction to Gideon. He says, this first thing that you need to do. He says, your father has an altar of Baal, and you have to go and break that down, break down the Asherah pole next to it, chop that in pieces, use the Asherah pole wood to burn and destroy your father's idols. Because you know what? There was idolatry in the family and idolatry in the nation. And I want to tell you, sometimes you might discover in your own family line or history that you discover there has been idolatry, there has been Freemasonry, there has been ancestral worship. And I want to tell you, God wants to use you, but you have to bring down some of those idols in your family. And so he goes and he destroys this altar of Baal. He destroys it, and then he erects an altar to the Lord God, a proper altar, and there on the altar, he sacrifices a bull to the Lord God. He sets things right. Take note of these steps. They are significant. And then Gideon, he wants a confirmation. <laughs> now, sometimes you look at that and you say, oh, Gideon, come on, God's already spoken to you, fire out of the rock and everything. And, uh, but you know what? Sometimes... Maybe you and I, we also want a confirmation from the Lord. And, and so here is Gideon, and he says, listen, Lord, I would love a confirmation from you. And he says, God, I want to put out a fleece. Now, this is a woolen fleece of a sheep. It's a sheepskin. And so what would happen is, he said, God, at night, I'm going to put out this woolen fleece of the sheep on the ground. And I want to ask that the next morning, the fleece will be wet, saturated, and the ground around it would be dry as a confirmation. He comes there the next morning. What happens? It is as he's asked. The fleece is wet. The ground is dry. He takes the sheepskin. He squeezes it out. And a bowl full of water comes out of this. Wow. Now, he says, okay, Lord, could I have one more confirmation? Has anybody ever done this? Uh, only me. Okay. All right, lovely to have so many angels in the house today. So he says, God, could I have one more confirmation? He says, Lord, now I'm going to put that fleece out, and then I want to ask that it would be completely dry, and everything around it would be wet. And like the Afrikaans people say, suvar. It was completely dry. The ground around it was wet. 
And so he had seen an amazing confirmation from the Lord. What amazing confirmations. Now, before I carry on with Gideon, let me just deviate for a moment and say, I believe it's not the usual or the best thing that we should be doing to put out fleeces before the Lord. Primarily, we should be hearing God by his still small voice, by his word, and by the Holy Spirit. But I do believe that sometimes when you're facing a really big decision in life, you can go to the Lord and put out a fleece. But let me just point out this, that this fleece that he put out produced a supernatural result. Some people put out a fleece before the Lord that uh, is not at all supernatural, and it could easily happen in the natural. For instance, you say, okay, God, if you want me to buy that house, I'm going to put my house on the market, and if my house sells, then I know you want me to buy that house. <laughs> you see, the thing is, if you put a house on the market, there's a good chance that it will sell. Somebody else might say, well, I'm going to relocate to the United States, and I'm going to apply for my visa, and if my visa comes through, I'm going to know that God has opened up the door for me, that I must go. But the thing is, people often apply for visas, and, and many times they are granted. And if you put in out a fleece, maybe you should put out something supernatural, that you know that if it happens, it could only have been the Lord God that brought that about. But that's for free, gratis and fernit. Now, let's move on. Here we are, Gideon's army. What has he done He's firstly defeated the, the, the idol, he's broken it down, he's gotten two confirmations from the Lord, and now what happens next is that the army actually gathers. And God has a plan here to reduce the size of the army, because it is too big. Now, let me ask you this question, why did God want to reduce the size of the army? He wanted to show that it is not through their might that they would have any victory, but it is through the might of the Lord. And I want to tell you, ultimately, this makes us realize that all we really need is God in our battles. You and God are a majority. That's just the way it is. And so I want to say with what battles you're facing, don't worry too much about who's all around you to support you. I want to tell you, if God is in this and God is saying you need to do this, know that God can give you victory. It's not about the might of your own strength or the wisdom of your own ideas, intellect, or personality. So, at first, the army consists of 32,000 men. That's a pretty decent army. 32,000 men. But then, God directs this amazing thing. He says, tell the people, Gideon, tell the people that if anybody is scared, they can go home. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, well, that's my kind of army call-up, you know. <laughs> now, can you imagine 32,000 men? And then what happens is 22,000 of them decided to go home, leaving only 10,000. What happened when those 10,000 men stood there and the 22,000 started going away? I wonder if there wasn't some teasing going on. There they go. I don't know. I don't know. Let's, I mean, these were real people. Nonetheless, it's down to how many? 10,000 from 32,000. And then nevertheless, God says there are still too many people. But you see, the army that they were facing was 135,000 Midianites. I kind of thought that 10,000 was okay, but 
Still not. And so God further instructed that the men should drink from a stream. And the way in which they were to drink would determine their involvement. And those who drank with their mouths in the stream were sent home. And those who drank by lifting up water and cupping it in their hands from the stream, those were the ones that remained. I've heard it said that those who were on their knees putting their mouths right into the stream, all they would see is themselves, the selfie generation. <laughs> those who actually lifted up the water and began to drink like this, those were the warriors because they could still see the enemy in their vulnerable position drinking water. Very interesting, the prophetic significance in the word of God. And so there it was. 300 men drank from their hands, and they became Gideon's army. So there we are, 300 men. And then it was time for battle. Now listen to how interesting this battle was. Just after midnight, Gideon and his 300 men, <clears throat> 300 men, they are ready now for battle, and God gives a strategy. And Gideon, with 100 of the guys, is here. Three, another hundred on the one side, another hundred on the one side, and these 300 men in groups of uh, three, 100, 100, 100, are encircling the enemy's camp. And this is the instruction that Gideon gave them. He said, in your right hand, you will have these clay jars. Uh, what were they called? Yeah, clay jars with torches inside, so you can't see it initially. And you will have your trumpets or your ram's horns. And he said, when I break my ram's horn and begin to blow the trumpet, you do the same. So all across those 300 men, what did they do? They broke these earthen vessels. And suddenly, in pitch black midnight probably, the light was seen and they began to blow their horns. Blowing their horns. And then they shouted, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Say that with me. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And that was the battle strategy. No weapons of mass destruction. But God was in it. And you know what? The enemy began to panic. They began to turn on each other with their swords and annihilate and kill each other. And those who weren't killed began to flee and run away. And what happened? Gideon's men began to chase after them, and they mowed them down. They annihilated them. They even chopped off the heads of two of their uh, military generals or commanders, and they brought them to Gideon. Can you imagine? I mean, this is rough stuff, man. <laughs> they bring the heads of these two guys to Gideon, and they say, We have defeated the enemy. Mighty man of valor, here is the proof that the enemy has been defeated. And so that is the story of how Israel defeated Midian. Quite amazing. 300 men defeated 135,000 Midianites. Now I ask you this. Did God use Gideon? Undoubtedly he did. And he surely did become a mighty man of valor, a mighty warrior. And you know what? It wasn't just that victory, but Gideon went on to be one of the greatest judges in the history of Israel. And he led with integrity. He led and brought peace 
to the nation, and they enjoyed tremendous peace under him. They wanted him to be their king. He said, no, I won't be your king. I will not rule over you. You will only have one king, and he will be God. But I will be a judge, and I will judge the matters over you and lead you into battle if necessary. And so they enjoyed tremendous peace. So Gideon did become this mighty man of valor. God's word over his life was fulfilled. He became the mighty man of valor. He became this great judge in the nation of Israel. But listen to it. It wasn't always like that. How did the story start? Hiding away in the winepress, fearful, intimidated, scared. Now, two things I want to share with you. Number one, make no room for inferiority. Don't let it steal your destiny. Now, please say this out aloud with me. Make no room for inferiority. Don't let it steal your destiny. But you know what? I believe that there's some people that you are making room for inferiority. You are letting it steal your destiny and what God wants to do in your life because you're in this place of inferiority thinking, I'm of no good. And I want to correct that from the Word of God today. Now, Gideon was just an ordinary person who faced issues like we all do. But in particular, he seemed to struggle with the following. Inferiority, in uh, timidity, weakness, and being intimidated. The definition of inferiority, it's on your screen according to Oxford. It says, a feeling that you are of lower status or have less ability than other people. How many of you can relate to that? Don't raise a hand, but, you know, in, in my own journey in life and in ministering and, and walking with many people, I have discovered, folks, that there are so many people. It's not 5%. It's not 10%. I've discovered there's so many people, so many of us, we struggle with inferiority. We feel like other people are just more fun to be around, more creative, more potential. And, and I want to tell you that this thing is not of God. And God is wanting you to overcome this. Here's the thing we have to get on top of those insecurities. Because God wants to use us. He has a purpose for your life. And folks, this is why I'm speaking about this today. Because I believe that in the people that are in front of me, I believe that there are seeds of greatness potential power and ability that God has placed within you. But you have to get a revelation that God speaks over your life and he too says over you, you mighty man of valor, you mighty woman of valor. He speaks it over you. Would you hear with your ears what the Spirit is saying to the church? Too many people are settling for less than what God wants for them. And there is a nation called South Africa that God is wanting to change through your hearts, through my hearts, through your potential, through our lives. Oh, rise up, mighty. Yes, give the Lord a hand of praise. Rise up. Now, let me highlight the verse that uh, indicates Gideon's insecurity uh, struggle. Can I have a little bit more uh, level on my mic? My voice is a bit thin. So... Judges 6 verse 15, there it says, so he said to him, this is now Gideon saying to the angel of the Lord, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. Listen to the way the message translation puts it, it's on your screen. 
Gideon said to, to him, me, my master. Okay, so here the angel says, you mighty man of valor. Then he says, who, me? <laughs> huh? You look at me. Me, my master. How? And with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan's the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the runt of the litter. Sometimes we think these things. We don't tell others. I'm the runt of the litter. Gideon was making excuses for why God couldn't possibly use him. I want to ask you this morning, are, are you making excuses for why God can't use you? Are you saying, well, God, I don't come from a good home. I'm, I'm nobody. I don't come from a good family. God, I come from a broken family, don't you? <laughs> no, <laughs> like the Lord doesn't know. Maybe you say, Lord, I've been abused. I don't have much education. I, I'm not really smart, Lord. I've never accomplished much. And you're making excuses. But listen to the statement. Don't spend time making excuses. Instead, spend it doing what God wants. Can you say amen to that? Now, I'm going to skip a couple of things and go straight into my final point. Number two, God sees what you can become. Let that sink in for a moment. Come on, let that sink in. God sees what you can become. Come into agreement with his plan and say yes. Can I ask that we say this all together? Here we go. God sees what you can become. Come into agreement with his plan. Say yes. And here we see it, Judges 6, verse 11 and 12, but jump to verse 11. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, I want to ask you, at that point in time, could Gideon see that he was a mighty man of valor? No, he couldn't. I'd submit to you that the Lord is saying some things to you in your life right now that you cannot see. But he said it. And he watches over his word to perform it. There are things that God wants you to, to use you to do that you haven't even thought of or dreamt of. And I want to say it's so wonderful that God says, Behold, I have good plans for you, not for harm or evil, but plans to prosper you, give you a hope and a future. He's prophesying over your life. He's saying, You mighty man of valor. What a statement that was spoken over Gideon's life. And so Gideon couldn't see what he could become. He didn't under, understand his potential. But God saw what he can become. And the same applies to you. God sees what you can become. And when Gideon accepted this calling of God to deliver Israel, in effect, this is what happened. He came into agreement with heaven. He came into agreement with the courts of heaven. Something that I've discovered in life is one of the best things that you can do is come into agreement with God. In what he's saying for your life, come into agreement. There's too many people that even say no. And there's some that just kind of like, they're not exactly sure. But there's something that happens when you come into agreement with the purposes of heaven over your life. We have to say yes to God's plan, to his purpose. And Gideon did that. He said yes, and then God could step in and do the rest. Now, my dad had some pretty big plans for his life. 
when he had just come out of Bible college. And years later, I remember talking to my dad. And I said, Dad, what did you imagine could kind of happen in the future? What was in your mind? And my dad told me a couple of things which were like pretty good. But here's the thing. The plans that God had for my dad were far bigger. And in the end, literally, this is what my dad said of his life. He said, God has used me beyond my wildest dreams. He used that phrase, beyond my wildest dreams. But my dad had to come into agreement and say, yes, I want to say to you, child of God, come into agreement today with whatever God is saying and say, yes, I'm in agreement with heaven, with what you're wanting to do. Look at this one scripture, this last one as we draw it to a close. Judges 6 verse 34, it says, but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. And then he blew the trumpet and the Abizrites gathered behind him. So he stood up and the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he blew the trumpet and the thing began to happen. The people began to gather around it. Now, I like that phrase, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Please say that with me. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. You see, when we say yes to God's plan, what effectively happens is the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us to empower us. Gideon couldn't do it with those 300 men in his own strength. Because God's plans for your lives require you to have faith and trust in Him. You will never be able to do it in your own strength. And that's the problem. We look into our own strength. But God says, I will place my spirit upon you and you will do what I've called you to do. In terms of my own situation, let me tell you, when I said yes to God's plan to start Choose Life Church, His spirit came upon me and He empowered me for this task. I cannot take credit for it, not in a million years, because I know that this is the hand of the Lord that came upon me, and He empowered me to do this, and He will come upon you and empower you to do what God has called you to do. Is anybody hearing this today? Come on, somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. He is empowering you to fulfill your destiny. And so I believe that today, God is speaking prophetic words over your life. Son and daughter of God, he's speaking over you, you mighty man of valor, you mighty warrior. He's speaking over you, you mighty person in education, you mighty judge in the judicial system, you mighty person in the council, you mighty politician, you mighty teacher in the classroom, you mighty mother, he's speaking over you. And would you receive those words of life today? And I just want to say to you, please, oh please, come into agreement with God. Come into agreement with God. Let's stand and pray. Lord, apart from you, we can do nothing. But with you, all the difference is made. Just pray in the Spirit for a moment. I sense the anointing of the Lord here. Just, just let's hang in for a few moments.
I thank you, Lord. Thank you that faith is rising in this place right now. Now, Lord, I pray and we want to just say that we ask that you would remove the mindset of inferiority from us in Jesus' name. We ask forgiveness for allowing inferiority. And we say in Jesus' name, we renounce the authority that we've given to a spirit of inferiority. We do not make room for inferiority. We will not let it steal our destiny. And we say, thank you, Lord, that you see what we can become. I pray that you would open the people's eyes right now, that they would see those visions of how you're going to use them. Open eyes, open eyes, open eyes, open eyes, and see what the Spirit of God shows to you, because those seeds of greatness are going to grow and flourish, and they're going to grow and develop in the name of Jesus. And so we say, thank you, Lord that we are rising up as mighty children of God. I just sense to say this. Very unusual for me to say this. God is calling people into politics in this meeting today. I speak that under the anointing of the Spirit of God. God is calling people into politics in this meeting today. Hear what the Word of the Lord says. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are raising us up. And I want to ask that you say these words with me in a moment. And we declare, rise up, mighty child of God. We're going to say that three times. Rise up, mighty child of God. Here we go. One, two, three. Rise up, mighty child of God. One more time. Rise up, mighty child of God. One more time. Rise up, mighty child of God. Now give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And thank you, Lord, that we go in your peace and we go in victory in Jesus' name. Amen.